0: Hey, it's Susie G, and this is episode nine with returning favorite Nick Flora. Today, we're talking about a lot of the things we've learned through our respective marriages, what healthy relationships look like, the difference between codependence and interdependence, and how important it is to have a solid loving relationship with yourself. We talk about what kind of role, if any, marriage should play in the arc of romantic relationships. We personally think we do a pretty good job of busting the entire tradition and myth that every perfect romantic relationship should be crowned in marriage. Spoiler, I see the traditional progression of romantic relationships as bullshit, guys. It's broken. The 50% divorce rate says it's broken. So coming to you from the house we share as we shack up living in sin, here is Nick, Flora, and me kinda going off.
1: Harmonious privilege. I'm Hourglass. You know, so many times, so many people in our lives often come to the realization that it's not quite the thing that you thought it was. Today, our story in 3X.
0: You better believe I'm leaving this. <laughs> one.
1: My Hourglass impression? Uh-huh.
0: Sure. It's good.
1: I need to work on it. I know
0: that was right off the cuff and not bad. It was. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, Nick Flora.
1: Hi. Our contributors today are. Mm-hmm. jareth moonbeam tony a silver head <laughs> it's always like Bleh. who's who i don't know jareth moonbeam is that you or it's me pretty good i'll be jareth moonbeam um i'm doing well suzanne thank you for having me on the podcast again
0: sure thanks for coming upstairs again yeah I no problem i really prob- appreciate it
1: no no problem uh slight problem because my knees pop when i walk upstairs now mm-hmm. but other than that, <laughs> no problem Today feels like, topic feels like a little bit of a pivot. Am mm. I wrong?
0: Because
1: we're not necessarily talking about a death today.
0: Let's talk less about death. Ooh. And more about the new beliefs and new mm. opinions we've formed.
1: What's come from the death of What grew out of
0: things? the shit manure uh-huh. that was...
1: Marriages. The <laughs>
0: <laughs> the fertilizer that that is that was we did wrong before.
1: 2016 um, <laughs> um
0: yeah huh
1: yeah i like it i'll just say overall we bring our our very specific perspective to this mm-hmm. um and i i overall i'm very hopeful about like romantic love mm-hmm. and you know therefore going forward i mean obviously we are in a relationship so um who wouldn't be hopeful when they're dating you that's all I got to say. Oh, my gosh. You can't hear the wink on the
0: Nick Flora. Podcast. I saw it.
1: Um, Yeah. You saw that wink? Like, you know what I mean? Here's what I'll say, prefacing the mm-hmm. preface. <laughs> yeah. Before we jump in, is that my sort of stance on everything is that I think romance is a problem mm-hmm. in the way that it's, like, been given to us. Mm-hmm. From culture and from religion and from the generations that came forward. And so I want to take I want to redefine romance and take that the idea romanticizing anything, I think, becomes a problem Mm -hmm. because it's not based in reality.
0: My ideas about what is romantic have changed. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
1: Yeah, exactly that. The ideas of like what's romantic. I I think that has to shift and change as you get older. And as you go through multiple relationships, you Mm -hmm. know? Like, I think everybody's idea of what's romantic is specific to them or should be specific to them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like, because not everybody I know from dating you, like, if I brought you some flowers...
0: Mm -hmm. Like, cut flowers. Yeah. Uh
1: With, like, a bunch of, like, with a teddy bear and a bunch of, like, chocolate hearts, that's not necessarily, like, gonna... Get you going right, romantically, right. But I know that if I like got you like a living plant,
0: that is correct. or
1: some seeds that you could plant your own thing, <laughs> um or yeah. I got you a plot of land where you could like plant something. So like I know like that that's what makes something romantic is like you pay attention to somebody. Mm. The end, you're good. you're golden. yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. Write down things, write notes to yourself to remember later. You know, for that kind of stuff. That's romantic, you know. Mm. Paying attention is romantic. I, As the giver and the receiver, you know. But the idea of romance overall, when we romanticize something, it gets murky. That's where we get into trouble.
0: So do you see marriage still as a romantic thing?
1: I think it can be. Where I came from, like growing up religious and everything, um, it was seen as the most romantic thing you could do is to give your life to somebody because Jesus gave his life for us, which is like the ultimate sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, therefore getting married, especially getting married in a church and Christian church in the United States, especially, I can only speak from my experience was very like that we're doing, we're dying to ourselves and coming in to like this new union as one Mm -hmm. as Jesus did or whatever. That's the whole thing. Like Jesus is the, like the church is Jesus's bride. There's a lot of like symbolism with that kind of stuff. Which I think was maybe supposed to stay as symbolism, <laughs> and we weren't maybe weren't supposed to take something so literally. So the the marriage, I think, at its core, is very non romantic because it's like involving the law and some contracts, mm-hmm. and it's it, you know essentially the the only difference between marriage and a long term relationship, meaning like that spans decades, is one involves the law and saying some romantic things in front of your aunt Judy, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like like it's, I don't know. Like you can have a wedding without it and proclamations of love without it ending with a marriage certificate. Um, I, and now that I've, I've been married and divorced, I see, I see it all. Mm -hmm. I just, but I mostly see like courthouses and filing documents and, you know, and that's not romantic to me.
0: Marriage started out as not romantic either. Yeah. So it started out as like very, you know, like a transference of property type of a thing or (laughs) a union to like join two groups together or two countries together or two, you know, marriage was like a very... It was decided by people's parents. Contractual thing, right. And then it became, looking at like Regency era stuff, it's like the whole idea that marriage could be romantic was the whole thing that was romantic. Like, Mm -hmm. the romantic notion attached to marriage was like, oh my gosh, what if you, like, got married to somebody and you were attracted to them? And they loved you. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. Like, (laughs) so, I feel like then you kind of try to attach romance to it and then somehow it became just like, oh, Mm. like, I think we expect too much of it. But my idea of what is romantic is different. My idea of what constitutes a successful marriage or a, my ideas of what I think we can, we can really expect from a marriage have also changed.
1: Yeah. There's a thing that happens when you get married. Um, that can't happen. I'm speaking in generalities here. Just know, I know that everybody's relationship is different. I really don't want to step on any toes. Um, but I've seen it time and time again. And I know that a lot of people listening have too. when like there is an inherent laziness that sets in. Yeah. With marriage? Sure. Because there's kind of like, well, what are we going to do? Get divorced? You know. It's
0: that one and done thing where it's like. Lock it down. Yeah. Well, it's because till death do us part. So it's like, great. Like, till death. Done. Yeah. Check a box. You've got your mate.
1: And that idea of till death do us part is very loaded.
0: That's my big. What is it? Speak up. It's it's my biggest issue. Yeah. Is the till death do us part thing. Number one, I, when I was young, there was like the expectation that like you, everything moves toward you finding someone, getting married, having a family. Like that was just how things went. I didn't really ever think that there would be any other way to do life than like finding a person fairly young, getting married, having a bunch of kids, and like, you know, check that box. Like that's – and then you do the rest of your life like with that person. Um, Now I think, holy crap, there are so many other ways you can do things and do life and get married or not get married, get married a few times, whatever. But I think the whole – life is different now than when marriage (laughs) – from when marriage started. And I think the whole idea that we are supposed to find the person – that we're supposed to spend the rest of our lives with when we're very young, like 20, you find the one person you're going to get along with forever, you marry them and you are with that person and that is a healthy, functioning relationship for the rest of your life. That is not going to work for the majority of people, I think. Yeah. And the fact that that is still like...
1: The gold standard.
0: The gold standard and the expectation is crazy. Yeah. So...
1: I think if it wasn't for organized religion, it wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. Organized religion has single handedly held that to because organized religion, out of everything else in our culture and society, holds traditions, mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't, not even knowing where these traditions came from, um, but they hold them as like tradition is important, and I don't disagree with that, but I think there's ways to honor traditions without fucking doing them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: <laughs> you know. Yep. Without like applying our lives to those traditions. Um, without really like asking ourselves, do we, cause when you're a kid, especially you're getting married, I got married at 22, you got married like pretty there, uh, pretty shortly thereafter, like kids by Mm -hmm. all accounts, kids don't know yourself, barely an adult. Um, you don't have a concept of forever, right? You think you're going to live forever. That's the only kind of forever. You know, you think every moment you're in is forever because your brain doesn't know how to grasp the passage of time yet. Um, and also like kids just have no concept of saying like, yeah, d- till death do us part. Yeah. It's going to be forever. Like there's just like, no, they just, those are just like romantic words, quote unquote, romantic words you say. Mm-hmm. And I know for my myself, I was just like, sure. Yeah. I'll just do this. Cause in that moment, that feeling that I had marrying my high school girlfriend was forever. In that moment, it was good, but I didn't foresee growth or change or anything. I remember thinking at 24, oh, yeah, this is just kind of it. Mm-hmm. I guess you just, I guess you just get a job and pop up some kids, and then you know, copy paste, copy paste, copy paste until mm-hmm. forever, mm-hmm. not knowing that like there is a whole. If you're willing to lean into it, there is a whole uh, trajectory right. coming, right? And it's coming whether you are ready for it or not. You know, so much. I see so much of in my older relatives, especially like resistance to change right. and resistance to progress um, within themselves. And that is, you know, the definition of pain is resistant resistance to change. Mm. Like change isn't painful. Resistance to it is what's painful. And I think that the wrapping their mind around another idea that another idea might be okay, mm-hmm. especially when when it comes to marriage, and. Well, because if
0: we're going to believe that God said it needs to be this way, mm-hmm. then there's, I mean, how do you even, you know, then that's just, that's it then. Who am I to argue with God? Right. Yeah. I know for me personally, when, when I was a young person, number one, marriage seemed very attractive to me for a few reasons. Number one, it was someone to like kind of take care of me because I didn't know how to be an adult. So there was that aspect of it. There was the aspect of... I found it very romantic the idea that someone would say like yes for the rest of forever like I choose you forever because I mean this is just me personally but like I had abandonment shit for like my whole life yeah. yeah like my whole life like I had like parental units and like people that and like fr- like people that are supposed to stand by you and just kind of don't. And so it was very romantic to me that like someone would like choose me and then like promise me, like promise me forever. Like that sounded so great. Now I'm like you can't really promise anyone that. You yeah. can't can you promise to stay with them forever? Sure. Mm-hmm. Can you promise to like that your feelings for them are not going to change? Nope. No. Uh can you promise that like this is going to be healthy for the next 70 years? Nope. Like you can promise to like stay with that person and not leave that person. But which is exactly what happened in my marriage. Like I had someone who was like fucking in it. Like he was not going to leave. And yet he was so not happy with me that suddenly like this, this promise felt really crappy. Like suddenly I'm like, Oh, this promise is the only thing keeping him here is like a sense of obligation, which felt
1: gross. Oh, nobody wants to be an obligation. No. In, In a negative way. Yeah. Like, I'm obligated to things in my life that I am gladly obligated to, you know?
0: So, I think it's... kids
1: and, like, there's lots of stuff that I'm like, they're my obligation and I am so glad that, you know? But, yeah, the negative sense of that.
0: Yeah. So, I don't know. My ideas of what I think you can realistically promise someone um, is different than when I was, like, you know, 18, 19 years old.
1: There's so many things. I had a conversation with my parents who are still very much, like, steeped in... They're very conservative, small town in the South and they, they aren't like a hundred percent across the board, like the stereotype of that, but definitely like hold a lot of those values. And, you know, we had a conversation cause we were watching like a, a, um, pro, a proposal video and in the proposal, the guy said that he asked, it's okay to say yes like before she had answered, he said, "Will you marry me?" He's like, "It's okay to say yes because I asked your dad, and everybody in the room laughed." Ugh. And it it sent a chill through me, yeah, because I kind of forgot about that part mm-hmm. that people do that. That's like a tradition. And then I started talking to my parents about. it. I was like, "Why do we do that?" So we started talking about that, and it, it was so. My dad kind of agreed with me that it was icky. I was like, yeah, it's not great. It definitely started with like the transference, like children or daughters, especially for for dads were considered um, like property more or less. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I give you permission to take care of this mess. Mm-hmm. Essentially like take care of her cause she doesn't, you know, she can't take care of herself. Um, and my mom was like arguing that it was more of a protector thing. Like the dad is the protector of his kids. I was like, but not really because like, like sons don't get asked. Son, the, like parents of sons don't get asked if, if the daughter can marry the kid, you know, the son, um, it's only the female. Right. um, and my mom is just like, can we just drop this? Like, it's just a, it's a lovely gesture. It's like a respect thing. And I was like, yeah, but if stuff is rooted in problematic territory, shouldn't we just like get rid of it altogether? I that that There's just so many things that are rooted in the actual ceremonial part of it right. that I think are problems. I mean, and we can't just be like, ah, it's fine. It's just what we've always done or it's changed now. It doesn't mean that. You know, because there are a lot of things in our culture that I think it's hard to look at because it was rooted in something very ugly mm-hmm. in our history. And a lot of stuff is very racist and a lot of stuff is very sexist and a lot of stuff is uh, just straight up problematic and it doesn't reflect well on us. Um, and I, it, so many of those things are rooted in the ceremonial part of getting married. Right. And I think it's important to look at that and be like, oh, why? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it's stupid. It's hard.
0: Holding on to things tradition's sake is not yeah, a it's not a good I, reason. Yeah, it's not.
1: And I I I'm a musician. I play a lot of weddings. Um, and it's I basically see the same wedding over and over and over again. And I was like, it's interesting how much I love personal traditions. I think like a bride wearing her grandmother's wedding dress down the aisle is a really lovely one, mm-hmm. for example. Like I think that there's beautiful familial ceremonial things that are lovely. Mm-hmm. And I think there are a whole bunch of ones that just need to be like called what they are <laughs> and chucked out the window and mm-hmm. be like, we're not going to do this anymore because yeah. it is inherently problematic. Yeah. Um But that is, that's where it goes back rooted back. You know, a lot of that stuff is rooted to church stuff, Um which, you know, uniformly have their own issues with the traditions and stuff. But yeah, doing something for a traditional sake is not mm-hmm. great. Like, I, that's why I love that more and more young people are waiting to get married. Yep. Like, for the first time in history, I think the average age of, of marriage is like 32 or something. Um, I could be wrong. But it's around there, which mm-hmm. I think is really smart. Uh, I think for more than anything, and I'll let you speak to this too. Like, if you got married over again, you know, like, just thought experiment obviously you don't want to redo anything because you wouldn't have the things you have now mm-hmm. blah blah but like wouldn't you i'll just ask you would you wait longer to get married or would you get married at all
0: i think it's i think people absolutely should like so the things i tell my kids that's what i was gonna say the things i tell what, my kids what would
1: you tell your kids um, if they asked you about getting married young
0: man figure out who know who you are Okay, and, and then, so this is going to lead into, we can talk about, like, codependence and then interdependence? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like, figure out who you are. Figure out, because here's the thing. You, you mentioned something before about how someone had told you the person you marry is not going to be, I'm going to screw this up. But yeah. But basically, you end up married to, like, a different person than My you were My old married. therapist, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, said, so like, in a long enough timeline, you end up married to a different person than you were married to because we change as we grow you know as we get older we are not the person we are at 25 that we we are a different person 35 45 65 onward yeah
0: and so i think getting married and like hitching your wagon to somebody presumably like till death do you part before you have any idea of like who you are (laughs) what your values are what you're good at um what you want your life to look like like what what's the big picture of what you want your life to look like like I feel like there are some real serious questions about yourself that you need to have figured out and answered before you try to implement somebody else like mesh with somebody else and then try to get all that to work out the more you can know about yourself before going into that I think the better your chances are going to be of like Making that, and when I say making that work, I don't mean just not getting divorced. Yeah, I don't mean sticking it out and being miserable and like we're in this no matter what. I mean like having a healthy relationship. Like Mm -hmm. I have, you know. I I think there's
1: probably just as many married couples still married to this day that are miserable as there are like people getting divorced. Yeah,
0: I know. Yeah. Which I mean, if if
1: fifty percent of all marriages end in divorce, then what does that say? What's the percentage of people who are still married but deeply unhappy? or buyer's remorse or like thinking
0: like well this is better than starting like what are we gonna do get a divorce and start over that sounds terrible like at least we know we can do this or people
1: who are using each other yeah for like well he provides security yep and she provides yeah like food and laughs at my jokes and i know like there's like a there's almost like a transparency sometimes yeah i'm not saying that across the board but you know what i mean like Yeah. yeah
0: But I think, I don't think it's a hallmark of like a successful marriage just that you don't get divorced. Mm-hmm. That's that's not what shows you have like a successful marriage. But yeah. So that, I mean, that's the thing
1: I've, I've been learning a lot and I've been sort of yelling from the rooftops lately is just because a marriage uh, keeps going doesn't mean it's a success. Yes.
0: And just because a marriage ends doesn't necessarily mean it's a failure. Boom. I think we need to stop looking at that in that way as well because I think I look at. I joked at the beginning about, like, steaming shitty manure or whatever. But, like, here's the thing. I am who I am because of that re- that incredibly important relationship I had for two decades. Yes. Like, and because of the kids that came from that. And same with you, too. Like, yeah, you same. are the person you are because we learned so much and grew so much through those really hard relationships. And so, I, like, I don't really even fault myself for going through that or, like, being in that because... Number one, I didn't know better. But number two, like, it made me, I think, a pretty decent person with who's kind of figured some stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't think like broken marriages are. If we can stop looking at that as like this tragic and like crying about kids, like kids are kids are better off if you have two functioning co-parents who realize that they are happier and work better together when they're not together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then like. You know, then those parents like remarry and get into healthier things, and then they have four adults who love them, and are looking and out care for them. them, and yeah, ideally, yes. I mean, that's just I don't know why we look at that as like this, like depressing, failure, tragic. Man, we need to I reframe wish that word, too.
1: The word "tragic" needs to go away.
0: We need to reframe that.
1: The, the whole idea of like what a failed marriage is to me, I hate the term. Whenever you you're like. Because my mom refers to mine as failed marriage, yeah. she, and, I, and I, I've asked her to stop using that that word. Because to me, a failed marriage is somebody who stays married and like is there's a certain level of manipulation or abuse, mm-hmm. like people using each other and just like hurting each other constantly, but they're still in it and like they put kids in the middle of it, yep. and, and it's just you know there's it's crazy unhealthy patterns that just keep cycling and they keep enabling those those horrible patterns, mm-hmm. and like that is way more of a common tale. Like I have friends who grew up in those households yep. and that's so common, but it's like, well, we're staying together. And like, just cause you stay together because you're thick headed and you are worried about what other people will think. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you are in a successful marriage. Like why is my marriage where we were smart enough to be like, this is not working yeah. on multiple levels. Like the incompatibility is like kind of off the charts right now. Um, let's like, we loved each other enough to call it and be like, let's, do the thing that we do the best, which is co-parent. Yeah. And now both of us have a chance to go off and be happy. Like, why is that? Yeah. Like unhealthy and bad and failure related. Like that bum, that makes me so angry. And if, if I have anything to preach for the rest of my life and stand on the soapbox for, it'll be that. Cause I want to normalize the idea that like, it's not a bad thing to know when something's working and when to call it and when to keep going Mm -hmm. and also that keep, if you keep the lines of communication open, you have a better chance of, of re- when you reach that point, knowing what you should do. Yeah. You know? And like, I did not do that very well. And I, cl- my ex and I closed off those, those lines of communication. And that was a big part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And the chasm between us just got so great that, you know, I don't know, like it, we just cycled all this unhealthy behavior. Mm-hmm. And like I'm not the hero in it. Like I'm also to yeah. blame, you know. Yeah. But from that we I feel like we did the right thing for each other and for our children going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think labeling that as a failure is no. a great atrocity. Like yeah. I what do you what part of that? Just because we made baby Jesus cry because we, we had to get a divorce. I don't think like you, you did know. though. No. I
0: think what's gonna what makes her what like makes it or breaks it for a kid like growing up and is seeing healthy problem solving yeah healthy conflict re- conflict resolution um it's not whether or not your parents stay together there there are people I have friends who are like I'm never gonna get married because my parents you know they've been married for like you know 45 years and they're freaking miserable they hate each other they it's not whether or not a marriage, stands the test of forever like that's not what does it's seeing healthy relationships seeing healthy communication seeing so whether or not that, whether that's your parents together or your parents split up and then go in different directions and find that elsewhere it's not whether or not your parents are together it's mm-hmm. it's the it's what else is modeled for you mm-hmm. it's like how you know the conflict resolution and the you know how you're direct how you set boundaries how you are honest but, like, in a, you know, compassionate way. Like, that kind of stuff is what's, like... Yeah.
1: Yeah. I never... My parents never let me see them fight. Therefore, I never got to see them make up. Yeah. Therefore, I didn't... I thought when you got in a fight with your girlfriend or your wife that it was over. Yeah. I was like, yeah. okay, I guess we're done. Like, I had no clue that you could talk that out, and just come back together again after a fight, like, resolve it in a healthy way. Mm-hmm then understand each other and then move forward with that new information. Right. Uh, I have no clue, no clue that that was like to this day. Like if we like, when we get into arguments, there is a, still a voice in the back of my head that says like, Oh, she's going to break up with you. Like this is the end, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, a, we have a lot of those voices, even if we've learned and grown in healthy ways and like, understand what's true and what's not mm-hmm. um that we don't act on but they're still in there and we just don't give them like a microphone right. you know th- that's just gonna happen no matter what because a lot of the stuff is so hardwired that we just it's in there milling around a little bit and that's just one of them and i know in my cognitive sort of like practical brain that we are not going to break up this is an argument we will like either talk this out or we will take a break from each other and come back and then talk it out. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah. I, but I know that our love is stronger than like a bickering over something that might just be caused by a lack of sleep or food on my, in my case, or just a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's so crazy. Like I wish that I would have seen proper. I wish I would have seen my parents fight. I think that the healthy version of that is somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like let your kids see you fight. And then let let them see a healthy resolution. Yeah. So then they know how to do that going forward. And that took me years, years to realize um, that, oh, there's like a middle ground. And that that's the whole thing on, you know, when people ask me, you know, would you think you'll ever get married again? Or like, do you think I wish across the board we could remove the, the like default mode for a successful relationship?
0: Is that it? goes to marriage yeah yeah
1: there's there's a john mulaney joke where he says like he he started dating his now wife and everything was going great and then his friends were like oh man it seems to be going really well when are you going to introduce her to your parents and you know the next step and Mm -hmm. he was like i've never thought like oh this is going great you know what this relationship could use to like catholic adults in their 50s like let's let's bring in you know like no like like the fact that like there is a there is a uniform across the board sort of step-by-step process thank you to follow like okay well this much time it seems to be going well let's check this box let's check this box like marriage as a box check Mm -hmm. is deeply unromantic first off i never want to be a box to check I used to be a yeah. box that was checked. Yeah. It feels bad. Uh, it's it's like what you were talking about the obligations. It yeah. feels bad. I wish that n- all of the options were given. I wish like oh hey, first and foremost, chase after yourself. Yeah, your most important relationship is with you because no matter what happens, you know relationships come and go, parents come and go. Kids, you know, grow up and move away, you're gonna be with you Mm -hmm. regardless. So, like, really get to know you and then never stop checking in with yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, enjoy the ride that is the growth of you. And then, when you are so good with you and you really know yourself and you know your problem areas and you know like what your strengths are and you know how to embolden those and to work on your problem areas, and then you once you're so you're like in that solid like, you know, flow of of everything. The people who are who will be your kindred spirits, soulmates, spouses, whatever mm-hmm. your significant others will call them, not just romantic. They will find their way into right. your life yep. because you won't have a capacity to put up with bullshit. Mm-hmm. You won't. You know what your like prerequisites are as far as like the kind of people that you are allowing into your life. Dan Savage calls it the, like the price of a mission into your life. Yep. And you get to set what that is. And if it's people who are like feeding off petty drama, Nope, get them out of here. You get to decide what that is. Yeah. I don't care if it's family. I don't care if it's friends. I don't care if it's significant others. If they don't, if they can't pay that price, then they're out of there.
0: When when you're really young and don't know yourself, you don't even know what that price of admission is. You're like, well, whatever, I don't know, fifty cents, sure. Like it's yeah, it's low. The stuff that you will be. I just okay like they like being with. around me. Yep. You know,
1: you're just like, yeah. Oh, I sure seem to make them feel good. Yeah. When I, you know, and that's why we, we do so many things that we don't know if we even want to do, or like things that we're like we kinda your term white knuckle a lot of things are like, ah, oh, fake it till we make it. Mm-hmm. And that is just a part of growing up, but we don't have to do that with a marriage certificate attached and with a very expensive uh, buyer's remorse tag on the end of it. I will say this because I've thought it several times. and I'm like, this needs to be added as an addendum. I know that a lot of marriages start, can even start off good and then go into bad. And then there is an ebb and flow to that. I know I've, know personally people who who get married and then a decade in it looks like it's heading into divorce and then they course correct right and then they like their their marriage is better than ever right because they weren't doing something that they should have been doing all along it doesn't always have just because it goes through a rough period doesn't mean you have to call it right i will i want to say that like clear because there there have been several times and my parents have even opened up to me like no there were several times that i thought this might be ending Mm but we stuck with it because we made a promise to. And then because of that, like we're better than ever. And I'm like, I like a lot of the things you just said. Yeah. yeah. I think doing something because we made a promise to, and we were 20 um, in front of aunt Judy, like isn't always an awesome reason. Mm -hmm. It is definitely because we promise to is a good reason to not do, not discard the marriage willy nilly. Mm -hmm. It is a reason to sit down and have an, honest and open discussion about what is the right move. Mm-hmm. That is like grant that promise that we made at the altar. At, at least give it that. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I I believe in that. Yeah. So anyway, the options thing is like so big because I was not given them on anything, not just relationship wise. But I wish I was told like, "Hey, if you chase after a relationship with yourself, you'll get really good people in your life." And then if you find somebody that you want to be your spouse or like your long-term partner, like run with that. And if that ends, it doesn't take from you. You get to take what you learned in it with you to the next Mm -hmm. one. You don't, there is going to be a mourning period because, you know, obviously because just knowing who you are doesn't, isn't like this suit of armor that keeps you from feeling pain, but it doesn't, it's it keeps
0: you from being absolutely devastated to that. where you can't function without another person. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So this is where codependence and interdependence comes in. Right. If you wanted to talk about that.
0: Yeah. I, I used to think it was a really unromantic notion of like, date yourself, court yourself, know yourself, put yourself first, put your, you know, that whole thing where, cause I'm like, no, what I want is like someone else to put me first. What I want is like someone else to like, think I'm the greatest thing mm-hmm. ever. Like that sounds romantic like getting constant like validation from someone sounds great like that's what sounded very romantic and like very you know attractive to me and like the idea of like loving myself was like and i'm like well that's not romantic but now again you know being through some stuff the whole idea of of knowing yourself and being good with yourself and knowing who you are is like yeah if like if something great that you've like really invested time and energy and was, you know, really hoping it was going to like, you know, be a long lasting, whatever, you know, if that ends, yeah, you're upset. Yeah, it feels bad. But like, you're not devastated. You know, you're going to be OK. Mm-hmm. And there's something very because then if you really are OK with yourself and like really securing yourself and and knowing that you're going to be good, then there's Way less likely of a chance that you're going to be in something for unhealthy reasons just because you don't think you're going to be okay if you get out of that or if that falls apart. Mm. Um, you know, I think it just kind of strengthens you against that. But so, yeah, codependence and interdependence. No, w- w- What do those things mean for you?
1: For me, I mean, it, it is so easy, especially because we have so many young people getting married by people who don't really know themselves. Or their, their identity is attached to somebody says like, tell tell me some things about you. If you say like, well, I'm Corey's girlfriend and I'm like, oh, like that, if you use somebody else to define you in the first like 10 answers of something about you, then I think you might have a little bit of a codependence thing. Like, I think if you're defining yourself by other people, you know, or you're letting other people define you. Or you're letting other people decide codependence is like often used often misused, and I might even be misusing it a little bit here, but like I've dip my toe a little bit into codependence, and mm-hmm. so but for me, it was I'm not okay unless they tell me that I'm okay, mm-hmm. or they show me that they're okay, and then I can be okay. Mm-hmm. and a lot of that is I'm an Enneagram too, and so a lot of that comes with my my helper nature mm-hmm. um when it's unhealthy. I'm very much like. Are you good? Can you tell me that we're good? I want to hear you say the words we're good and then I'm okay. Like my my feelings are directly linked to your feelings. Right. And that is a problem. Yeah. Because you can't live your life attached to whether somebody, like you don't have control over anything then. Mm-hmm. Somebody else controls all of you. Yep. And so that really becomes a problem. And I think a lot of that comes with not knowing yourself from an early age or like not doing the work to figure out who you are or not trusting that who you are is worth being loved for just who you are, Mm -hmm. for no outside, no exterior reason, you know, not from what you can give, not from what you can, what you say, like the pep talks you give people and stuff, like all the stuff we do. So somebody will say like, you're really great. Like take all that out of the equation just for who you are. You know, you're worthy of love and the fundamental disbelief that that's true Kind of that that is ripe for codependent mm-hmm. like left and right mm-hmm. and so one thing that you and I discovered or like maybe not discovered but like through our relationship I discovered the this idea of interdependence mm-hmm. it might have even been before we were together it might have been like in our friendship we we found that poem um who is this? is it Rupi mm-hmm. Karam mm-hmm. Is it? I don't. But no, the, I can't remember. That, that idea of being yes. like, you should be good on your own. You should be this light bulb, like this fire should be lit within you on your own. Mm-hmm. And the other person should be good on their own and have a fire lit. And then when you put them together, they shine even brighter. Right. And so, which is such a beautiful, I think about that image so often. So interdependence is what you were just describing.
0: It's not that you can't be by yourself. You can be by yourself. But yeah. it's like... I am whole on my own. You are whole on your own. You've got your stuff. I've got my stuff. Like we each like have full identities Mm -hmm. and like who we are, what we do. And then, but it's really great when you can kind of put those things together and see where pieces kind of dovetail together. And it's like, okay, well now we have like these things where these certain parts like have crossover and they're things that we do. And Mm -hmm. it's like things we do together. And so- But like never losing like the independent parts of ourselves either. It's like you have, you you need both. It's got to be the balance of like both things where, you know, you have partnership stuff, you have like alone stuff and you, and you're with that person because you want to be because it's better and happier and fuller, but not because if you're not together, you're devastated and don't know how to go on. Yeah. So.
1: Which is a big one because I think a lot of people, how many times do you hear, and like you and I had a bit of this, too, in our divorces or in our at the end of our marriages, I'll say, like where you don't. You have a moment where you're like, who am I? You're kind of like so you see a lot of people, especially middle aged coming, going through a divorce. And then they kind of have this like freak out period mm-hmm. where you see them kind of go nuts a little bit. I did. Yeah, I did. On too. Social media it was great. And Well, so, that that was people a little watch. bit different because, that you know, like we've learned on this podcast, you know, grief takes many, many forms and a lot of it, and some of it is mania. Like you kind mm-hmm. of pivot yeah. back and forth between that. And I'm not talking about that specifically, but just like the, it does look like a midlife crisis. Yeah. It does look like, you know, you're just, and a lot of people, you know, go to like, I'm going to date every kind of man that I've never been able to date before. Mm-hmm. I'm going to like go out and party until 2 a.m. or whatever it might be. You just kind of like, go on this little sort of midlife rumspringa where you're like, I'm no, nothing matters. Everything's Mm -hmm. chaos. I'm going to go sort of live 20 years of life in six weeks. And you do a lot of erratic kind of crazy stuff sometimes because you, who your identity was tied up into somebody else. I just thought about this and I, if you are married right now and if you had to move into a place by yourself and you don't have an idea what that place would look like. Mm-hmm. I think you might have a problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like as far as decor goes. As far as like yeah I know what my place looks like. Okay. Because when I close my eyes I know what my place looks like. I know what my rooms look like. I know what my bedroom would look like. I know I know all that stuff because it's it's re- reflective of me. Mm-hmm. Because I've done a lot of work over the last 10 years. And knowing who the hell I am. And I've really honed into that. And but if you're like, I don't know, I don't have an identity to be reflected back at me. If I had to move into an apartment by myself, like I don't have any stuff to put on the walls because everything is like linked to this other person, Mm -hmm. whether it's your family, whether it's your your spouse or your kids or whatever. Or you just kind of let other people take over and just like run the I don't know, you run the game for you. And you're like, I don't know.
0: I have uh, I don't want to say who it is. There's a female family member um LDS who with a bunch of kids um and she said to me one time and it struck me as weird and I couldn't quite figure out what was off about now I know what's off about it but she was talking about how um you know she's got a bunch of kids and she's like you know early on I had like all these kids you know it was like her marriage was, like, really rough, you know, like, had problems, um, but she's, like, you know, I had a bunch of kids. I, like, still worked outside the home to have, like, my money that, like, wasn't, you know, this was my money that, like, no one else could tell me what to do with that I didn't have to account for, and, you know, and this was my time away. Like, this was my, like, you know, small little piece of, like, independent, you know, whatever, um, and saying, you know, something to the effect of, like, the, the church knows, knows what it's doing, by saying like men provide, like women take care of the children, she's like, you know, the church kind of knows what it's doing, like, and because if there was any way I thought I could have left, I would have left, but I like we had to stay together and we had to work it out, you know, because they were like kids and you know the money situation and whatever, and I remember that I was like, hey, yeah. And thinking, like, that's weird. And now I'm like, that is called codependence is what Mm -hmm.
1: that's called. (laughs) Yeah.
0: When you can't, like, you can't leave, there's, like, a reason why, like, yeah, I really want to leave. I can't leave. Like, if you really feel like you can't leave, that is an unhealthy power dynamic is what that is. And, you know, a religiously sanctioned one where Mm -hmm. it's like, no, you have this skill set and you have this skill set and neither of you can, like, get out of it like you know this is your job this is your job and without one another you will absolutely fall apart and not be Mm -hmm. able to function that feels so inherently unhealthy to me yeah but i mean i had that too where you know when things would get really bad a few times like and i you know thought my own marriage was gonna end and it was like okay well where are you gonna go yeah what are you gonna do and i that feeling of panic in me like oh shit like do i have where what am i going to do am i going to go live with my mom like having that panic feeling of like what am i going to leave and take kids and what be homeless like mm-hmm. just that feeling of like not being able to do it by myself that like you know yeah and that's codependence like that feeling of like yeah. not being able to leave
1: yeah to so know you it's important also for people to realize that you can be kind if you're if you have the sort of like propensity to be codependent if that it's not just a marriage thing that will bleed into every aspect of every relationship of your mm-hmm. life. You can be codependent with your friends. You'd be codependent with your God. Mm-hmm. You can be codependent with church. Yep. Like it is, I see so many unhealthy relationships with, Jesus. with people in Jesus.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: You know, and this whole idea that like when I was a teenager in church camp, there were literal, like t-shirts that said like Jesus is my boyfriend and stuff like that. And it was like seen as like a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I I think that there's like, there's a problem with that, (laughs) obviously. Uh, but I think a lot of people have that sort of like that notion of like, all I need is God and he'll never let me down. And he loves me no matter what. Mm -hmm. And the end, as long as I have God loving me, um, nothing else really matters. And, Um, I, I have a few problems with that Mm -hmm. because where, because uh, this is going to get into a whole other thing that I don't really want to get into, but I think it's, I think, I, I I think if you have that thought, I don't, I'm not saying you're a stupid person at all because it's important to give yourself over to surrender yourself to a higher something. Yeah. It's it is very important for us to not become insane narcissists yep. and nihilists yep. to be at, at least grounded enough to be like, you know what? I don't know everything and I don't have the answers and there is some something going on that we can't put a name on. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh it's, and I think it, it's it, there's a certain level of like humility that comes with that that is yes. beautiful. Yeah. I but where the problem is is know who you are like without like do the thought experiment where you remove God from the equation, which that breaks a lot of people's brains used to break mine and like real, like just from time to time, like look through the people of your, what your life would look like if God didn't exist or if it wasn't what you, he didn't exist in the form that you thought he existed in. What, who are you? Are you good? Are you fine? Or could you stand on your own? if the answer is no, then you have a codependent relationship with God. You don't, I don't want anything, any pillar in my life to be removed. And I fall over like that is where that's what I'm talking about. If anything from your life can be it like ejected and it's gone, do you stand on your own two feet? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, then start asking yourself some questions. Why is that? How did you get here? Where can you go? Like there are so many books Codependent with no more is a really good one. Uh, You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want, I my goal is to be like, and and I don't say that to be like, you wouldn't be sad or you wouldn't like have to go through a grieving period Mm -hmm. if something was removed from your life. But, you know, if it's your parents or whatever, whatever it might be, a lot of parents set themselves up to be, it feels good to have a a kid that's codependent because it gives you like purpose and a meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but boundaries are your friend. I will say that till uh, my dying breath. Mm-hmm. Boundaries are your friend. And I don't even know you, but I can tell you, you do have it in you to do it on your own. I don't I don't think it's the scariest thing in the world. Um, if it is the scariest thing in the world to think about being alone, then you might have codependent issues. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I have a thing. It, it, keep oh, me I, in check. Am I am I stepping out of bounds here? No.
0: And I I have a thing. It's less with God or what. I mean, I don't know. I think it depends on your definition of God or whatever. But it definitely. Does. I, I have a thing with Jesus. Where there's this guy.
1: Jesus who is just has him.
0: died a horrible death for you. Whether you want it or not, whether you accept it or not, he's already done. It. It's already done. You'll never really be able to repay him. Oh, never. You're in debt to him forever. He wants this list of things from you. Like, all he wants... And it's, and it's for you to be happy. And so, like, even that's for you. Like, he just wants you to be happy. But, like, here's this list of things he wants from you. By the way, that list kind of depends upon who you ask. Like, what Jesus' list for you is. But here's this list of things from this guy who's died for you that you'll never be able to repay. But he wants you to try to repay. And if you don't, like, do all the things on this list, like, the shame that you whip yourself with. Yeah. Like because of this list for this guy that did this thing that you didn't necessarily ask for or it's like, too bad it's already done and so there's already this thing that like we hear about weekly you know like as from the time you're like a kid like you grow mm-hmm. up with this like there's this guy who's done this thing for you and i think there is not to be dramatic but i think you really can draw lines where like when like women can easily transfer that like a man who loves you unconditionally has done these things for you like I feel like there are really unhealthy aspects of that that we can also attach to other relationships we have with dudes who claim to love us that is it's not a huge stretch and I think it's super problematic and I think and that's where I think some people really are like there's like a codependent thing with Jesus like where I think you have to I don't think Jesus is a bad thing. I don't think, you know, even necessarily like believing in a savior, like none of those things, it's, you know.
1: There are healthy relationships with Jesus. There are healthy relationships with your creator, quote unquote. There are healthy relationships with the church. Mm -hmm. There are healthy versions of all those things. It is not inherently bad. The baby with the bathwater thing is not good either. Um,
0: I think any relationship you're in where the main driving force is shame and the feeling that guilt. you will never be enough and yeah. the feeling like there is a constant repayment thing yeah. that has to happen. It's a transactional thing that feels gross and not like love. That kind of thing in any kind of relationship is I think just
1: yeah. gross and wrong. Cause that's what I was taught. I was taught that Jesus died for our sins because we were, we couldn't have a decision over it. So you're born into sin. And uh, because of that, Jesus had to die and, but so to set you free but with that freedom came a price. Mm -hmm. And so we are to die to ourselves over and over and over again and constantly put our, our own wants and needs and desires on the furthest back burner Mm -hmm. possible and put Jesus first, others second and ourselves third. And it spells out J O Y -hmm. Jesus, others you. And that was like literally on like a mural on youth group rooms Mm -hmm. that I, I had growing up. And that's, so problematic because jesus is taught that he's everywhere mm-hmm. and the work is never done to like serve him yeah. and then others are always around you there's always somebody to serve if you're not serving if you're not finding anybody to serve you're not looking kind of thing um it's kind of the religious version of if you got time to lean you got time to clean yeah. um and then <laughs> like from mcdonald's
0: got time to or if you got time to serve I don't know.
1: <laughs> but and then so you never get around to like focusing on you mm-hmm. ever yeah and i don't think i think there's like a healthy version of that too i'm not saying put yourself first in in everything and just be a monster be a narcissistic monster i'm saying factor in what you actually want and what you actually require mm-hmm. While you're factoring in what other people in your life that you're, that you are, you know, in community with, friends, family, whatever, are also needing and mm-hmm. wanting, and know the difference between what is your job to take care of and what is not.
0: Yeah.
1: Like that, and that comes from just self awareness. That comes from doing the work and knowing yourself, is knowing your limitations and knowing what, where you actually can do the most good. But don't do it to make yourself the martyr don't do it to make yourself the victim don't do it reciprocity is not a reason to do something either you know and i think we and a lot of that is very prevalent in the in the church and in marriages you know so you can have this unhealthy relationship uh with anything Mm -hmm. and so saying like oh i'll be fine to stand on my own because no matter what jesus loves me and i have him he has my back no matter what like, I think there's still problems within that. And that's not, and that is, that is coming from my mouth. That is me only. Like, I know that we could argue that in the face because everybody has their own belief system. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, like, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're in an unhealthy relationship. Like we're saying there are healthy versions of yeah, that. Yeah. Um, But anyway, it's just going to get stickier from here on out. It really is.
0: I don't even know how we got here, but.
1: Oh, I know how we got here. You started the podcast nine <laughs> weeks ago. <laughs>
0: How do you think of marriage now? Do you think you're ever going to get married again?
1: Ooh. Full circle. Um, I don't know. I, I will say, and this is where it's going to get a little bit cheesy for you people, but I'm in a relationship with you. I very much adore our relationship. Mm. I very much enjoy it. It is a friendship-based partnership that is very supportive very understanding. Extremely communicative. And it's it's sort of what I always wanted in a relationship. In so many aspects. To get married or to not get married, it honestly doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I say to you sometimes, like, marry me. You know, I say, like, well, I'm going to marry mm-hmm. you. Just like randomly when you do something sweet or you say something or just like, I just see you. Like, I'm just, you are this person. Like I was saying earlier, if I was going to get married to somebody today, it would be you. But I say that as the strongest language that I know to use mm-hmm. to like, you are my person. You're this person that I want to do life with. And the strongest language that we have in our culture is like, I would marry you in a heartbeat. So Susanna, I'd marry you in a heartbeat. But I will say that marriage doesn't, isn't going to enhance what we have. mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, because the way I see it, like we could like elope as we've talked about, we could like elope and just have like promises made to each other, mm-hmm. have a small little ceremony where we're the only two people there mm-hmm. and make these promises and say these things to each other that are rooted in reality. And then have a dope party with all our friends to celebrate, yeah. to celebrate our love. Yeah. And that would be just as good as a wedding to me. Cause that's essentially what a wedding is, except you sign a marriage certificate afterwards. And then, you know, you have to go down to the courthouse and file a thing. And, and that's where it starts becoming not romantic. Right. So to me, romantic is like the idea of something. Like I was starting with this whole thing talking about, like we romanticize things and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But I think that it, the most romantic thing you can do seems like counterintuitive, which is rooted in reality. And if you know yourself recap, if you know yourself and you know your price of admission for people in your life, especially your significant other, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you are like romantic or not, or if that person is like your trivia night buddy that you live with, or your like group of friends or your girl, long-term girlfriend, like it, It's it doesn't it's like a non issue. It's like a non question. Mm -hmm. Would you get married? Like I don't I I sort of feel like I won. Why would I wanna like do a thing that I already have just to put like an official name on it? Right. Because I don't feel security with marriage. I think a lot of times marriage security comes along with the idea of having a husband or Mm -hmm. a wife. And those words hold weight. But for me, I know that those things don't automatically put up a force field around your property line right. where you can walk out and just be like, Oh, I can't leave. I, I guess I have to stay here with you and work this out. Right. It doesn't mean that it means whatever you put into it. Right. But so does saying, I love you. And I promise you that I will be like faithful to you. I will, I will build a life with you that we decide all the rules, what works for us, what we want separately mm-hmm. and together. And we build a life on that. And we get to decide what that is mm. because love and marriage and all these things, relationships are all a cart. We have this beautiful right. buffet before us and we get to decide, do we want the chicken wings, the potato salad and the brownie, or do we want to go back through and choose other things? And whatever works for us, the best is like, and if that's living with somebody long term and sharing a life with them, then so be it. If it's no matter what it looks like to you, mm. If that is truly what works for you, then like I don't see what walking down an aisle and saying a bunch of things in front of Aunt Judy is gonna do.
0: Do either of us actually have an Aunt Judy? No, I don't either.
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I don't know who Aunt Judy is. Aunt Judy is like any up. random family uh-huh. member you see like once every five years. Right. Um, but I don't think you should do anything for any reason other than it feels right for you Mm -hmm. it's what you want you shouldn't do anything
0: for me there is there's a little something to doing the thing that like i know some people are kind of like sneering at or something there is really something to me knowing that i'm you know shacking up with you
1: living in sin living in sin Uh uh-huh yeah um but we make podcasts together so it's okay
0: there's there's a little something to that which I wish there wasn't. That because, you kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is stupid because that's. But I'm, I'm being honest. So there's that. There's, there's the idea that I, absolutely have things that I want to promise you. Promising you that you and I are going to be together till death do us part is not one of those
1: things. It's not realistic, first off.
0: And the whole idea, like that's what marriage just kind of is. Makes me not want to ever ha- like make like hold you to that. I'm never going to ask you to like promise yeah. me that because like no one can really promise. Well, I that. can't
1: promise you that, so I wouldn't. Say. Yeah.
0: And so, which you know, that's kind of the whole backbone of like traditional marriage. And it's not that's not a thing I want to ask of you or whatever put on you. But there are absolutely things that like I want to promise you. Yeah. And absolutely hope we're together in 50 years.
1: That's the word hope. Yeah. I really, I absolutely hope that we are together in 50 years. Me too. Like, we are nothing but filled with potential, our relationship. And I want to see that potential through. And for me, it's worth all the little, like, million little arguments we're going to get or, like, hurt feelings we're going to mm-hmm. get. Like, our our love is bigger than that. And, like, what you mean to me is bigger than that. Because a lot of those things just come from, like, petty insecurities. And so from both of us, you like, Mm -hmm. or stuff we bring in from other relationships. And if you can, if you know yourself, once again, you can properly identify that stuff. Mm -hmm. All that to say, like, I truly hope that, and I do believe that we have the, all the tools to go the long Mm -hmm. run, you know, to go for the long game.
0: I hope that we have that. I do too. I also hope that, I mean, my main hope for this relationship is that it is exactly what it's supposed to be. So, like, if in 20 years you and I are completely different people and, like, this is, like, not working, what I don't want to do is, you know, we've had, like, a ceremony where you're, like, I don't know, man. I said I was going to, like, be with you forever, so I guess I'm in this. And, like, what I want is for you to always want to be here. Me too. And, you know, same for me. We're, like, we wake up and we, like, choose this. Yeah. What's more
1: romantic than that? choose you. Waking up every day and being, like, I could rent a U-Haul right now and peace out. Yeah. Like, or I could wake up and roll over and be like, you, yep. I, cho- I choose you. Yeah. Today. There's nothing locking us in. No. And f- to us, and then once again, this might not work for everybody, but to us, that is very freeing. Yeah. But well, that, and I
0: don't have to question. I'm like, I don't know. Like, is he here? Because he made some promise that he doesn't yeah. mean anymore. Like, that's not, we've taken that out of yeah. the equation by not putting it in the equation.
1: Yeah. Um, It's yeah. like if you take down a fence and you let your dog out to go to the bathroom, and it comes back. It's like, yeah. Oh, this dog wants to be here. Yeah. This dog, <laughs> you know. Yep. Um, maybe that's not a good example because sometimes dogs run away when, when even when they love you. They follow their nose, much like Toucan Sam.
0: Wedding band, shock collar. I don't know. There's something it, there. It's anyway, <laughs> <it's>...
1: <laughs> But yeah, I think that's a, and for us that really works. Yeah. Um, especially being on the other, we've been on the other side, mm-hmm. and so um, my main hope for people who are listening to this is so is that they truly know get to know themselves and like yeah. and really focus on that relationship because uh, personally it's been the most um it's it's a thing that i denied for 30 first 30 years of my life and it has been the most um enlightening and rich and life-changing relationship that i have pursued mm-hmm. in my life and you're one of those too but because of that because of that i have you yeah because i chose to like maybe put my needs up there with the needs of others who are important in my life to make myself a priority and the things that I want aren't stupid and don't belong on the back burner mm-hmm. they're just as as uh, valid, valid as anybody else's yeah. else yep. I was able to enter into a relationship with you that is what we have and you are my best friend and god it's just the best it really is the best and i don't say that in any kind of like stars in my eyes way i say that because i have both feet firmly well now i do uh playing on the ground and i see you and i choose you
0: choose you i love you man i
1: love you